This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live on AM740 Radio from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Uh, I am Walter Brigabon. With me this morning, again, my co-host, Naz Marchese, and our roving reporter, Mark Kennedy, in studio this Sunday morning. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm Walter Rigabon. I'm with you again. Uh, Mark Kennedy, our roving reporter, Naz Marchese. Welcome. This is Tennis Sunday in Toronto. Toronto is usually known as the center of the tennis universe and uh, usually it's the center of the hockey universe, and this week it's the center of the tennis universe. We've got all the world's greats coming to Toronto this week, and uh, we're really looking forward to that. We have a special guest this morning that we'll be speaking with in the middle of the show, Kelly Mermitz, who's the president and CEO of Tennis Canada. Uh, she's uh, gratefully agreed to come on the show and tell us all about the Rogers Cup this week in Montreal and in Toronto. Uh, we also are pleased to have on the show with us shortly Dean Dorsey, uh, former CFL player, NFL player, and also the answer to one of uh, the great uh, trivia questions that you came up with, Naz. So, uh, so tell us about that. Yeah, Dean Dorsey has uh, played in the NFL, CFL, and uh, he played in the OHL with the Sioux Greyhounds. Dean, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing this morning? Great, great. Great to have me. How do you feel being the answer to a unique <laughs> trivia question? Well, I, I didn't plan on it. How's that? Um, you know, my, my dreams were to be a hockey player and, and play in the NHL like every other Canadian kid. And when things didn't work out, I... Um, one thing I could always do was kick a ball, and I played rugby at uh, Agent Court Collegiate in Scarborough. And from there, I went on to U of T, and then um, you know just got lucky and got a chance to play pro. What is the uh, the diff- back then? That was in 1988. You played in the NFL with Green Bay and Philly, right? Yes. What what were the uh, differences in the two leagues between the NFL and CFL back then? <laughs> there, there is a lot. Uh, it, it just all about uh, preparation and all that. It's uh, I wouldn't say the CFL is not a full time job, but down there, it's uh, you know when I was in Philadelphia, we had to be there at seven thirty in the morning because the guy that I came in with from uh, just outside of uh, Philadelphia was injured, so we had to be there at seven thirty, and we didn't leave till almost like six o'clock at night. So we had walkthroughs, we had special teams, we had uh, just you know you had to be in the weight room for so long. You, you, again, it was just. Uh, Every hour there was something new that you had to do, and then you know you had you practice about three o'clock for a couple of hours, and then you had more films, and 
So, I mean, some guys don't leave there till 8 o'clock at night. And obviously, the coaches in the NFL, a lot of places, uh, they stay there 24 hours getting ready for the next week. So, you went to University of Toronto. That's yes, correct, right? Now, uh, yeah, was just, sorry, Dean, go ahead. Oh, it was just a great opportunity. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun at U of T. And, uh, you know, um, and again, I went there kind of to play hockey, too. And, uh, you know, um, just happened that football just seemed to be, I was a little bit better at football at the time. And, you know, I was able to kick and uh, got scouted. And uh, one of our coaches actually played for the Scarborough Rams the year before. And one of our coaches uh, was helping out with the Argonauts. And so anyways, uh, he called me and they were having some troubles at the time and went down there for a, a three-day tryout, which was uh, pretty neat. And then that kind of gave me the bug that uh, maybe I could play professional football. So, uh, you know, I was able to play a couple years at Toronto. And then uh, when, my, when I was finished there, I, I know I had a chance. Uh, actually, uh, I wasn't drafted in the CFL. So my father, uh, he wrote to, well, he helped me. He wrote to every NFL team um, out there that was looking for free agents and free agent camps. And I had a chance to go to Houston Oilers free agent camp. So my dad flew me down there and came down to me and another guy to go to the main camp. And I was released. And when we got back, we wrote to all the other CFL teams, and Hamilton Ticats uh, phoned me up, and I went over there, and they had Bernie Ruoff, which was probably a great move for me because Bernie kind of took me underneath his wings and just uh, really showed me a lot about kicking and, and how to become a better kicker. And from there, uh, I had an agent. Actually, Gil Scott was at one of our, the green, or sorry, the golden black game, saw me kicking, and uh, Dan Faraday, who played at U of T, was drafted by Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, Cincinnati just came off a uh, Super Bowl Super Bowl loss. I forget who they played, but anyways, uh, I went down to uh, Cincinnati and kicked for them, and uh, was signed to try out. And uh, again, it was kind of neat. The great story was that their kickers got hurt, and I had to kick the first two exhibition games. And uh, so that was just a great thrill. I mean, you had Forrest Gregg there as a head coach. Kenny Anderson was a quarterback. Chris Collinsworth, Isaac Curtis. Archie Griffin, I mean, some phenomenal big-name uh, NFL players. And, and uh, it, was, uh, it was just an amazing experience. And it was kind of a great story. Was um, We played in Kansas City, and my, my first punt, oh, I guess I was standing around center field. And uh, I don't remember catching the ball. All I remember was, again, I think I just got over the line of scrimmage. I think anyone that had their hand up on line of scrimmage would have blocked it. So, anyways, I think it went about 20 yards and, Came over the sidelines and Forrest Gregg saw me and put his arm around me and says, son, just kick like you did all training camp. So our next punt, we're roughly around center field again, and uh, Kansas City brought all 11 guys in, put anyone back there to catch the punt. And uh, I put the ball over the two-yard line, but I didn't see it because they just they smoked me pretty good. So <laughs> anyways, uh, I ended up the game with a 43-yard average and uh, two balls inside the 20. So it was uh, it was a great experience. And when I got released by uh, them, uh, John Argonauts came calling, and uh, I joined them and replaced a, a great Zen and Andrew Sisson and uh, became the kicker for the Argos in 82. Uh, Dean, we have on, uh, this is the Nazawali Sports Hour, we have on, uh, on, on the line right now Dean Dorsey, uh, Dean Iswali, I seem to have recovered from my mic problems. Uh, uh, you, you spent quite a, quite a bit of time with the Ottawa Rough Riders uh, uh, yes. a, after, your, uh, after your Toronto Argonaut experience. 
tell us about those years and uh, tell us about the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. Are they, uh, are they bringing a buzz back to football in Ottawa? Well, I'll start with the Red Blacks. It's just phenomenal with the, uh, oh, again, I guess starts with local ownership. When you have local ownership ship as strong as they are, and with the new stadiums, and uh, it's, it's just a phenomenal facility they got there. And obviously the people of Ottawa love football. And it was just that uh, it was, um, it, it's done right this time, it, it seems to be. I mean, obviously Jeff Hunt has a lot of success with the uh, 67s and, uh, you know, again, with the developers that are behind the uh, Red Blacks. Um, you know, there's money there. There's the commitment to the community. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a, you know, a success. I mean, obviously, after two games, Boltman sellouts. Uh, you know, the product's really good on the field. Although last night you might question that. But, uh, you know, it's a quarterback-driven league. And uh, um, ours wasn't quite as good as Saskatchewan's. <laughs> so, but uh, it was a great game. It was, I mean, it was an entertaining game. And obviously, as a former athlete, and you know, you, you want to be entertained. And I thought it was a very entertaining game. I think the people got their money's worth, although the, uh, the home team didn't win. Dean, there's been talk about an NFL team coming to Toronto. I uh, just, uh, just want your insight on what it uh, would be like if the NFL came to Toronto, what would happen with uh, the CFL in Toronto, and in, uh, in general, what would the reaction be across the league? I, I think Toronto could probably have uh, two, two teams, obviously. I mean, I guess, first of all, you would have to have a new stadium, and I guess the uh, stadiums have to be... Uh, a certain size, and uh, they have to be. I don't know if they have the grass fields now or not, but uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, things that have to be done first. But I would hope that the CFL could survive. I mean, it's CFL, the roots of over 102 years now of uh, CFL history in, in Canada, uh, obviously, out west, it's, it's really strong. I think it's uh, again here in Ottawa, Montreal has been great. I think one thing about the CFL, I think they found out that. You can't play. It's hard to play in a fifty thousand seat stadium, but you have your thirty, forty thousand. You're always going to have your diehards. Um, it's a good size. I, I think hopefully it would survive. Obviously, if uh, Toronto does get the NFL team, or it would, uh, you know, obviously the, the focus would be on the NFL team, and uh, you know, you just don't know. It, it, it's hard to tell. Hopefully, it would survive, but uh, I'd say the first few years would be pretty tough. Now, here's a, the next question is your turnaround back to what you're doing today. What are you doing today? Um, I train athletes now. Um, we have a place just outside of Ottawa, and uh, we have a couple acres of land, and I've turned it into a training facility. It's uh, pride and joy. I, I love to, you know, to train when I was a kid. Uh, I was very fortunate at U of T, uh, the facility there, and, you know, obviously with the uh, you know, at times in the NFL and the CFL, there's a lot of different strength coaches, and uh, um, it was always about I want to be the best I could be. And it's it's an opportunity to give back. And I think everyone in life, you know, if someone asks you, can you help me, you want to help. You want to give that your lending hand to them. And, uh, you know, training was, like I said, it was special to me. I loved it. And this is an opportunity to give back to a lot of kids. And... Uh, I try and keep my prices very affordable. Uh, my facility, it's a, you know, I have a 90-yard sprint track. I have a 3600 square foot sand pit. I mean, I'm really big in kettlebell sandbags. We have uh, ropes in the trees. We have, uh, you know, just uh, obviously I have two weight rooms uh, on, on my property. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty neat. It's pretty special. 
Um, I love what I do. Uh, the kids love it when they're here. And one of the hardest things is get the kids to leave. Um, obviously, the majority of my kids are, are hockey players. Um, you know, it was, like I said, that was my passion uh, as a kid. Uh, I was played in the Toronto Red, Red Wing organization. Uh, I went to the Sioux. When I came back, you know, at UT, I ended up coaching with Don Mills Flyers. And we had guys like uh, Kirk McLean and Scott Mellenby and Peter Zezel and Peter Duras and uh, we two we won two Ontario championships. So, so hockey was always my passion. I love it. I, I coached with a junior hockey team here in in, uh, in Ottawa, the Pan Raiders. Uh, one of my goalies right now, actually, just uh, he played for the Oshawa Generals last few years. Daniel Oshler was uh, drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, you know, he's out here training and. Uh, have a bunch of girls that uh, actually one girl that's coming in well an hour from now is going out to Calgary on Wednesday for the uh, under 18 team for Canada, uh, Lindsay Eastwood. So um, it's just a pleasure to give back and, and help kids and uh, you know, kind of give them some of the insight that uh, you know helped me to get to where I was and, and fulfill my dreams. I have one more question before a commercial break, uh, Dean. Goaltending. You're a goaltender, former goaltending, goaltender, right? Yes, I was. Now, I, I've seen the evolution of goaltenders really have changed since you played uh, in the Sioux and what goaltenders do today. Um, the six-foot goal, six and under goalie doesn't seem to exist anymore. Can you comment on that? Well, it's, uh, I, I guess one thing, you can look at the, you know, the weapons that the guys are shooting with and, and the speed of the shot. Uh, I mean, back in, in my days, I mean, rarely did you ever see one with a you know, an eighty mile an hour flap shot. Now, if you don't have that, you, you can't play. You know, so just the, the quickness of the puck, and I think teaching goalies uh, now it's just uh, try and get in position. You know, just block the shot. Don't worry about stopping him. <laughs> back back when I played, you didn't want to get hit with the puck. You know, with the equipment that we had, you want to try and catch everything you could uh, with your catching hand or your blocker. You don't want to hit the body because uh, there wasn't much uh, protection there. So uh, the game has really changed. It's, it's kind of neat to go back and, and see the videos of uh, the old goalies and how they had to play. And again, it was more like you didn't want to get hit with the puck. Now it's like the equipment is so good. And it's just game position. Um, and again, just uh, I, I think with the athletes at the goalies now, they're, they're, they're so good. They're so quick and, and movement and. Uh, just getting there, getting set, and uh, take the shot on. Dean, and, uh, um, uh, our time has come uh, come short. We've, we've got to move to break. We've had with us Dean Dorsey, uh, former CFL, former NFL, and former OHL player. Thanks so much for being with us on the air this morning. Uh, appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much. I just want to say a quick hi to my mom. Uh, uh, absolutely. She's uh, 90. She's in Pickering, and she's probably listening to the show. I just want to say, Mom, thank you and love you for everything you've done for me. Oh, that's true. Thanks, Thanks, Dean. Thanks. Anyways, before we go to break, uh, Naz, uh, you've got our Pizzaville contest. We've got some fantastic tickets that we're going to be giving away uh, after after we come back from commercial break. Can you tell the listeners what's what's up and uh, how they go about uh, making their bid for it? We'll take the 10th caller now. It's two VIP seats Tuesday, front row seats at uh, the Rogers uh, Tennis Canada... Rogers Cup, two front row seats. With valet parking. With valet parking, that's correct. Anyways, the numbers to call in, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. 
1-866-740-4740. Two tickets for Tuesday. The gates will open at 10 a.m. Call in if you think you can make it on Tuesday. Uh, call in those numbers. We'll be giving those tickets away to the 10th caller. When we come back from break, the president and CEO of Tennis Canada, Kelly Mermitz, we're really looking forward to that discussion. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville became the official pizza of the Rogers Cup, presented by National Bank. We are giving away 25 pairs of tickets to the finals weekend between now and July 31st, plus four front row tickets to the final match. We're the official pizza because Pizzaville pizza is like a hard serve. It's so good, you can't return it. Boom! Details at pizzaville.ca or 416-736-3636. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steels Paint, 4190 Steels Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. uh, Live from Liberty Village on AM740 Radio. Uh, This is the big tennis week in Canada. Canada is the buzz in the tennis world this week. And something great happened for the first time in Canadian tennis history last night. Two Canadians are going to make it to a men's final on the tour. Uh, Raonic and, and Pospisil, and that's certainly going to create a huge buzz for the Rogers Cup this week in, uh, in Toronto uh, on the men's side. And, of course, we've got the women's side in Montreal with uh, Jeannie Bouchard. Looks like it's going to be a fantastic week in tennis. Uh, this biggest buzz I've, I've heard in tennis in Canada in probably in living memory anyways. Ever, Naz. ever. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Ronich and Pospisil in this final this afternoon. The city, uh, city Open down in Washington. Going to be a great day for Canadian tennis. Yeah, you can have, ask for a better matchup for Canada with uh, Ronich and Pospisil. And Pospisil has really come up the rankings. He's uh, In the last month, month and a half, he's really shooted up the uh, rankings. And uh, I see a pretty competitive match. That's going to be on at 3 o'clock, I believe. 
this afternoon. That'll be an interesting match to watch. And we have our uh, roving reporter with us, uh, Mark Kennedy. Uh, uh, tennis, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, tennis and uh, how you feel about as a fan in terms of uh, the buzz that uh, we're having in Toronto and tennis this week. Well, we've been we've been seeing the the um, the Pizzaville prize package you've been giving away. It, it looks pretty interesting and. Uh, uh, I can't say I know much about tennis. I'm trying to figure out a way to um, turn the turn the discussion from from tennis to uh, Real Madrid versus Manchester United <laughs> in Ann Arbor, Michigan yesterday. Um, but it, it looks like it's going to be a good match. Uh, tennis, uh, we go back a long way with that, Naz. And uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier. You're, uh, we've had some great tennis players come through Toronto, and uh, I know you and I used to swing a racket. Uh, when we were a little bit younger, and uh, who's your fan, fa- favorite tennis player? Well, I liked Ilya Nastasi. I just liked his uh, the way he his uh, personality and that. We and John McEnroe; those were the bad boys back then of tennis, and everybody loved the bad bad boys of tennis. Anyways, on this great week for tennis, we're pleased to uh, announce that we have on the line the president and CEO, chief executive officer of Tennis Canada. Uh, Kelly Mermitz, uh, it's a privilege to have her with us. Are you with us, Kelly? I am. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am fabulous. How could I not be fabulous? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if you, uh, this got to be a great day for Canadian tennis. We've got two two Canadian men in a tour final for the first time in uh, history, I believe. And I just wanted to let our listeners know that you've you've become the president and CEO of Tennis Canada as of March of this year. And I've got to say, Kelly, your timing is impeccable. Yes, my friends call me and tell me, wow, what leadership I'm showing, how, how the whole sport has turned around in just four months. <laughs> so congr- congrats. I'm sure, uh, you know what, you're, you're at the top of the pyramid, so by all means, take credit for it. No, not at all. I'm very lucky, and uh, a whole lot of credit goes to Michael Downey and, of course, the entire team, but most importantly to those athletes. They are unbelievable Canadians and, and fierce competitors. Uh, before we talk about this, uh, the, the great Rogers Cup that's coming up uh, this week in both Toronto and Montreal, the men in Toronto and the women in Montreal, just want to talk a little bit about your role with Tennis Canada. Obviously, you're the president, you're the chief executive officer, and what were your, uh, you, you took over the, the mandate in, uh, in March of this year. What are you looking to accomplish in tennis in Canada over the course of the next few years? It's a great question. And so really we have uh, four areas that we focus on. Uh, Certainly Rogers Cup, Cooper Rogers that you mentioned. And um, my plan is for uh, those fabulous tournaments to just get better and better and better. I want to raise the bar. I think that they have the capacity to be Grand Slam-like. Um, second, you talked about our tennis development system and uh, producing these phenomenal athletes. Um, it is a great tennis development system. I'm very proud of it. About eight years ago, uh, Tennis Canada decided that it wished to be the best ten- tennis nation. They wished Canada to be the best tennis nation in the world. They went and hired Louis Borfiga, arguably the best coach in the world, who has put together this amazing system. And I, and I can tell you a little bit more about that if that's interesting. And um, that system um, certainly, Jeannie and Milos have uh, our products of that system. Third area are our unbelievable athletes and working with them to continue to build equity in their brands and, and help them continue to be the best in the world. And then the fourth area is building um, 
a system where we have tennis rackets in more Canadians' hands more often and uh, really focus on tennis participation. So if you think about those four areas, I think that we're doing a great job in all four, and I'd like to raise the bar, and particularly in the fourth area, to make sure that more Canadians are playing tennis more often. I think there's a huge opportunity right now with the, with the buzz, with the energy, and with the momentum. Kelly, uh, I... Golf and tennis, these the, the girls and the and the guys seem to have uh, increased their uh, popularity and especially their uh, success. What has, how has that been generated in tennis? It seems like the last five years it, it's been getting better and better and better. You know, I do think that um, a whole lot of credit goes to the tennis development system that Tennis Canada has led, and that that includes uh, not only us, our three uh, tennis regional tennis centers, but also our national tennis center in Montreal, uh, working with private coaches, private academies, private clubs, and making sure that uh, together we're working with talented athletes in the country to produce these stars. And then if you think about it, um, you know, these stars now have uh, done such a phenomenal job on the world stage that they are inspiring they're inspiring young women, young girls and boys in the country uh, to think that, yes, if uh, Jeannie can do it, Milos can do it, Vasha can do it, so can I. And so um, I, I believe that that's just generating this wave of uh, excitement. Um, you, just on that point, um, uh, Kelly, uh, this is often referred to or could be uh, a watershed moment in Canadian tennis history. Uh, other people are calling it a Tiger Woods moment. Uh, is, is are we at that? Is that what this is all about? Is is are Milos and Eugenie, uh, Jeannie and um, what's going on here going to take tennis Canada and tennis in Canada? Sorry, to a completely new and high level. Yes, there's no question for me. It's happening now. Uh, so uh, we've been creating history uh, certainly over the last few months. Uh, if you think about. Uh, the French Open, there was history. Wimbledon, there was history made. Today, history is being made. Um, so that is, I believe, when you talk about a watershed moment, uh, sort of the crux of it. And uh, we've just received the sort of the raw data back from some surveys that we're conducting, and tennis participation is on the rise. So it's not just our gut feel that uh, more and more Canadians are being inspired by this momentum, but in fact, the data tell us that um, Canadians are playing tennis more. They're considering it as a sport. They're picking up rackets. They're joining clubs. It's, it's, it is a watershed moment in Canadian history, and I believe that it's just going to continue on. I think that we're, as I said, raising the bar. I think we're moving into new territory for Canada, and, and considering maybe tennis as a, the national sport or one of our very important national sports. Uh, Kelly, who are the up-and-coming tennis players at the younger age that are coming up, both in the female and male side? Sure. So yesterday, Braden Schnur uh, won a qualifying match. He's playing again today, and it'll be his first time at Rogers Cup. He's playing NCAA tennis in the States. He's just finished his first year, so he's a very young guy. Um, I I believe he's going to... Start to, you're going to start to know that name, Braden Schnur. Uh, Francoise Abanda uh, is a young woman uh, from Quebec. Uh, she uh, just earned a wild card into Coupe Rogers in Montreal, so she's going to be playing a Coupe Rogers for her first time. And, in fact, uh, she's also been granted um, a qualifying match at uh, the U.S. Open, so a grand slam. So I, I believe you're going to hear those names more often. Uh, I would also tell you that at our National Training Centre in Montreal, 
we have a group of 14-year-olds who are very talented. And Louis Borfiga, our national coach, who's, uh, whose name I mentioned just, just a few minutes earlier, um, he is uh, very optimistic about the 14-year-olds that are coming through our system. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that Jeannie, Milos, Vashik, they're all so young. They're gonna, you're going to hear their names for a long time to come, but we're going to have this whole next wave of 14-year-olds on that world stage at some point over the next six, seven years. That's great news. Uh, we have uh, our listeners just want to remind you that we're listening to uh, Kelly Mermitz from CEO and President of Tennis Canada. Uh, we're really ha- uh, um, proud to have her on the show this morning. And uh, I-, I must say, Kelly, that I'm, I'm following tennis now more than I have in probably 30 years. And I'm, I'm somewhat inspired that Naz and I have agreed to pick up the rackets and go back down to Strathburn Park with our Stan Smith Adidas to, to bang out a few balls. But uh, on a serious note, uh, we talked last week about golf and how the Canadian Open is unable to attract um, uh, many top-ranked golfers to its national Open. I, I don't want you to comment on the golf side of it. But can you tell us why the Canadian Open in tennis, the Rogers Cup, is so highly regarded by the international tennis community that we are managing to attract almost all of the world's top tennis players? First of all, I'd like to say thank you for dusting off your Stan Smith. I respect that immeasurably. That's fantastic. And you are part of this watershed, right? I really do believe that Canadians are playing more interested in it more, watching more. So we're creating a huge new fan base as well. Good for you. That makes me proud. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to show my age, but my favorite uh, tennis player of all time is Rocket Rod Laver. So yeah, we I'll may le- be the same age. That's okay. I'll no, leave it I'm alone. I'm not even talking about my age. Let's move on. <laughs> um, you know, I, I believe that um, Rogers Cup Coop Rogers, I, I believe that we've been able to attract the best the best tennis players in the world because we focus very hard on doing so. So um, I have met with almost half of the male tennis players here in Toronto. Uh, Today I'm probably going to meet with the other half. Um, I'm flying to Montreal tomorrow morning to meet with uh, the women who are joining us in Montreal. And uh, we work very hard just to do that little extra special touch. So whether it is, and this sounds very simple, but it's, it's true, we work really hard to make those players feel special. So whether it is writing a card, so I've written some cards and had those in the players' lockers when they arrive, or chocolates in their lockers, or if they need a drive somewhere, one of us gets in our car and drives them somewhere, or goes picks up something for them. We have a hairdresser on both sites so that, um, you know, yesterday I met with an um, uh, Australian player, and he said that he hasn't had his hair cut in two months because he just doesn't have any time on the tour. And so he had his hair cut two days ago. These are the very simple things. These are the little special touches that we work very hard to make sure that these players say that Rogers Cup is the best tournament that they ever go to. We don't have the, um, the prize money like an Indian Wells might have. So we make up for that in um, these special touches and, and making sure they understand they are the reason we're here. We're trying very hard to make them feel... Uh, at home, comfortable, make sure their families are here, we have daycare for their kids, um, and that this is a great experience. And and many players uh, came early to Toronto this year because they love Toronto um, and because we give them the practice courts and we treat them very well when they arrive. Um, uh, uh, just on a slightly different note, uh, the uh, 
obviously the, the great success that, uh, that we're having in tennis in Canada in the last uh, few months and, uh, of course, with the big event coming this week. And I must add that I, I got lucky and I managed to squeeze a couple of tickets for next year's final. I must have done something right and got invited. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, what has this done for your – I know that Pizzaville is, is a huge sponsor of our show, and they're also a sponsor of the Rogers Cup. Tell us how this buzz in tennis in Canada has, has attracted sponsors because you seem to have an A-list going on right now. We have an A-list, and um, I believe that, um, again, because tennis is on people's minds, we're building the profile in the, in the sport, um, that sponsors understand the power of that. And so if we can connect uh, with the, our fans in a meaningful way, uh, who then become customers or prospective customers of our sponsors, um, that's worth a great deal to our sponsors. And in fact, I, I believe that it goes much further than just advertising, right? It's activation of their brand. So our, our fans can touch our sponsors' brands um, very powerful. And so Pizzaville is a great example. And in fact, if any of your listeners um, are interested, today it's called um, Pizzaville Free Community, uh, well, it's in fact a Free Community Weekend. Um, so I'd love your listeners to come down with their kids, with their grandkids. Uh, it is beautiful. You can come to Rexall Center at York University. It's sponsored by Pizzaville yesterday and today. It's completely free, and it is phenomenal. My seven-year-old niece, she said to me yesterday, she said, Auntie Kay, I just felt like a princess today. I think when I come back, I have to wear a dress and a tiara. And so it is, we've got everything for kids of all ages, from snow cones and candy floss to practicing tennis to ch- testing the fastest serve you've got to watching our, our elite players practice. So you can see uh, Roger Federer practicing with his coach and, and the the banter between the two. You can watch um, Grigor Dimitrov uh, play um, Monfils and just talking back and forth and, and their athleticism and, and joking and kicking the ball up into the stand. And, and, and you can have front row seats in our, in our main stadium to watch that and no cost. It's, it's a really great experience. So I, I believe that Pizzaville is very happy with this weekend. I feel like they, they know that we've activated their brand in a meaningful way, and that's true for all of our sponsors. We work very hard to be sure that they feel that this is a huge return on their investment. Uh, once again, you're, we're, we have with us Kelly Mermitz, the CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Tennis Canada, and uh, also the President, and uh, we're, we're thrilled to have her on such a great day for tennis in Canada. Just a couple of more quick, uh, quick items, uh, Kelly. Uh, the one thing I find fascinating about the Rogers Cup, it's not just a tennis event, and it's, it's one of the world's best tennis events. It's also an event where there's all kinds of other activities. Uh, people show up at the Rexall Center. Just really quickly, there's a Pizzaville patio, uh, a Corona Extra patio, uh, a live band one of the nights, uh, all kinds of other different things going on at the Rexall Center. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. You know, uh, this is um, a little bit of my philosophy that I've brought to tennis, I believe, or to Tennis Canada specifically. I, I believe we're in the entertainment business. So uh, tennis is at the foundation of it, but we're in the entertainment business. And so we would like our fans to have an extremely special experience. I talked about our players having a special experience. We, we would like our fans to have a special experience as well. And so when you come on site, 
it's more than just tennis and it's more than just one dimensional tennis. Like I said, you know, here for this weekend, you'll see our players actually putting on a performance and, and, and it's fun and you're giggling and they're giggling. Um, you can, as I said, have these amazing experiences in terms of dining experiences. Um, there are things for the kids. So a little tennis for the kids and then they need to, to you know, run around a little bit. So we get them to uh, play tennis uh, on the, the kids' courts. Uh, there are opportunities to have your photo taken as a family, and, and it's all framed and it's emailed to you, and there's lots of social media. So um, really and truly, we want to entertain our fans. We want to delight our fans, and um, they come for the tennis, and they'll, ex- you know, they'll be delighted certainly by the tennis, but they will have a whole lot more in terms of entertainment um, beyond just the tennis. And I take it there are still tickets available? Yes, there are. So uh, you can go to our website, uh, TennisCanada.com and uh, buy those tickets online, or there's a telephone number there, and um, phone our, our uh, ticket agents. At, they're our personal ticket agents, and uh, you'll, you'll be delighted right from the moment you, you talk to us right through to uh, experiencing it here on site. Anyways, Kelly, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time in, 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 in what I am sure is an incredibly di- busy day for you, and it's going to be a busy week. Um, uh, one stat that I came across yesterday, which I found striking. I just want to pass this on to our listeners. You might, you may be aware of it. You might find it interesting. In the last 20 years, uh, 50% of the men's Canadian Open tennis winners have gone on to win the U.S. Open. I found that strike, that stat statistics very striking. So you are seeing the world's best, best tennis players. And uh, whoever wins... Next Sunday has a 50% chance of winning the U.S. Open, according to recent history. Anyways, thanks so much once again for coming on the show. Looking forward to a fantastic week of tennis uh, at the Rexall Center and also in Montreal. And uh, all the best, Kelly, and thanks again. Thank you very much. It was truly my pleasure to speak with you this morning. Our pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. On the line with us uh, was Kelly Mermitz, President and Chief Executive Officer of Tennis Canada. Uh, it's going to be a great week in tennis in Toronto and Montreal. We're really looking forward to it, and uh, we'll be back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville sponsored the Rogers Cup, presented by National Bank. We're giving away 25 pairs of tickets to the finals weekend between now and July 31st. Plus, one lucky winner will be courtside for the final match with four front-row tickets. My half-brother Ray Hall won't go. He's been to court too many times already. Details at pizzaville.ca or 416-736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. 
Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're back listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty, Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on AM740. Radio. It's now time for Golf Wisdom. Our Golf Wisdom expert, Sean Clement. Are you with us, Sean? Morning, guys. Good morning, Sean. How are you today? Excellent. What a beautiful Sunday morning. Anyways, really, really quickly, last week we talked about counterweighted putters. And I wanted to follow follow that, um, that discussion and talk not so much about putters, but about club heads and shafts and clubs and what listeners should be looking for if they are interested in purchasing a new set or a first set or whatever. Absolutely. Um, I've been fitting clubs uh, for 23 of the 28 years of my teaching, and it's a, it's a huge part of the business, but it can be overdone in a, in a big way. And uh, the recipe to our success uh, and, and, you know, if, if the product that we have doesn't suit you, I send you to my, you know, to, we don't even call it competitors. It's a service that we offer our customers. The best way to buy a set of clubs is the same way as you, as you uh, buy a car. You've got to take them for a test drive. So the first thing you do, because every manufacturer tells you they have the best product. You take a Callaway product and you, 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 you hit a few shots with it. Then you take a Ping product. They both say they're the best but you're going to notice a huge difference in feel between the two. And in look, some, some clubs you won't be able to look at, and uh, some, other, some other clubs you'll, you'll really love the look, the, the either rounded contours, you prefer the square contours. So what you're, what you're staring down at plays a lot with, you know, how your central nervous system is going to, is going to get through each golf shot. And uh, so what we do is we, we, and you only need to hit like five shots with each model. So if you're at a local golf town, you can't make it to our facility. We, we, we carry five major manufacturers. And what's your facility uh, again, Sean? Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center at the okay. Richmond Hill Golf Club. Okay. So, so we, we, have, uh, we have manufacturers from Nike, Ping, uh, TaylorMade, Adams, um, and um, gosh, you know, anyway, it, <laughs> there's, there's a fifth one. Uh, it'll come to mind I'm in sure a second. I'm sure it's a major brand. 
It's a major brand. That's it. And uh, so we, we have you try uh, a six iron from each model, and you're going to notice a big difference. So we look, especially on the range, we can see the ball flight instead of relying on a machine. And, uh, and then you experience something very different. So we put tape on the face of the club. So when you go to Golf Town, you put tape on the face of the club, not only to, to protect it, but to see where you're hitting the ball. So if uh, you hit five shots with, let's say, a Callaway model, and three of them are in the center of the club face and the other two are connected to the center of the club face, well, that goes in the yes pile. And then you take uh, whichever other model that you have, and uh, you hit five shots with, and you didn't hit the center once, well, that goes in the no pile. It doesn't matter how much they try to sell you that model. It's just not going to fit. Sean, why so, a six iron? It's, it's a mid-length club that allows you to swing with authority and confidence, and, uh, and it, doesn't, um, it doesn't cloud the, the process. If it's a little too short, you can't really generate enough uh, velocity. And if it's a little too long, well, it, you become preoccupied with it. Just not everybody can, can handle the long irons, and that's why hybrids exist and all that stuff. So we go through the same process to choose a hybrid, to choose a fairway wood, and to choose a driver. Um, just last week I had a wonderful fitting with a, with a gentleman for a driver, and there was one out of the lot, the Adams driver for him. He absolutely smoked it, and not any other club came close. So it doesn't really matter how much you have to pay for it after that. You make best friends with it, and you, and you don't have to change clubs for the next 10 years. Sean, I noticed, uh, uh, you know, marketing and golf clubs, especially amongst the major brand, and they come out with new drivers every year with the new bells yes. and whistles, and they charge yes. uh, a huge amount of money for it. Um, yes. And they're constantly going for shafts that are lighter and lighter and lighter, on the theory that you're going to generate more club head speed because you've got a lighter shaft. You have a right. difference of opinion on that. Absolutely. Um, if you can't feel the weight, see, science has proven without a shred that we as human beings on this planet react to outside focus. So if the shaft is so light that you can't feel it, then you have to swing it quickly just to feel what's there. That will really hamper your tempo and your timing and it will, it will cause way more harm than good when it comes to your golf swing. So the key is to find the weight of shaft and the weight of club that suits you as an individual. So there is a place for light shafts, absolutely, but it's certainly not in my golf bag. And I know um, you're a scratch golfer, both right-handed and left-handed, and you yeah. don't use a graphite shaft in your driver. You use a steel shaft. No. I use steel shafts. I still have the same S300, or it's an X, X300 uh, shaft. It's 135 grams. And uh, you look at the trend on the PGA Tour, Tiger is trying to find something that he can feel. He is now with a graphite shaft that's over 100 grams. And yet the industry is trying to sell us graphite shafts that are at 50 grams. Well, 50 grams, I can't feel. It feels like a feather in my hand. I, there's, there's no way that I know how to, uh, where that is, and, I'm, and it's, and it's going to cause me more harm than good. Uh, we have with us, once again, Sean Clement in our Golf Wisdom segment, and this is certainly a topic that we're going to pursue in, uh, in future shows, Sean. But uh, I do want to take a really quick question in, in a different area, this being Tennis, yeah. tennis Week in Canada. Uh, yeah. You have, a, have one of the greats tennis players who ever played as one of your students. Yes, for golf. Actually, Pete, yeah, Pete Sampras is a student of mine. Has been a YouTube follower for a while, and we, we got we hooked up uh, 
when we when I was in L.A., had a nice three-hour session, and and he said the same thing. Is I said, I know why you play heaviest tennis racket out there, because you could crush the ball with the weight of that racket. And he says, absolutely. And do you find, so, uh, obviously, being one of the greatest players who ever played tennis, uh, are those skills uh, portable to golf? Absolutely. Uh, the, the, you know, uh, one of the videos, in one of my videos, I talk about Pete's uh, release in his serve, that beautiful pronated release, and that overhead release of, the, of his hand, you can, it's exactly the same action underhand in golf. Um, you'll see a video of mine entitled Fencing for Power. Using a fencing sword is exactly the same thing. Your anatomy reacts the same way to the weight of the sword. And you'll, you'll understand, you know, when you, when you swing a club upside down with, your, with one of your hands, how gravity uh, and, and the feel of gravity really helps you uh, release the anatomy in the swing. Sean, thanks for that. Uh, once again, Sean Clement in our golf Wisdom segment. Check him out at www.wisdomingolf.com or Sean Clement on YouTube. You want to improve the game? This is the guy you better follow. Anyways, thanks again, Sean. Have a great week. Oh, by the way, thank you, Walter. By the way, the other one was Titleist. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Right, we'll talk to you soon. You Take care. All right, bye-bye. That was Sean Clement once again. Uh, taking uh, a little bit of a different track here, Nez, in the few minutes we have left, uh, a huge, huge signing in the NHL. Uh, I guess it was yesterday or announced yesterday. P.K. Subban, $9 million. Is it eight years? Eight, eight years. years. $72 million. million. Uh, we have that one, a, 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 a signing at the local level. Uh, Jake Gardner. Basically a $4 million contract, more or less, over five years. Your thoughts? Good signing about Gardner, especially with the rising cost of uh, paying hockey players now. Uh, Montreal were fielding thousands of calls after the arbitration meeting Friday from their fans and put a lot of pressure on the Canadians to sign PK, and they did. And I guess that's the going rate. I guess Dion Phaneuf at $7 million doesn't look as bad now. Well. I don't know how Toronto fans feel about that. There's a little bit of vitriol still about that that contract, but uh, you, my thoughts on that are well known. It, essentially, what's what's happening in the NHL now? What we perceive to be exaggerated contracts, uh, teams are getting boxed into situations where they, you know, quite frankly, they can't afford to let their young quotation mark stars leave. It just uh, and if that's what the going rate is to keep somebody else from signing him because if, if Bergevin doesn't sign Subban, somebody else will. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, so he's got a choice. He pays him or he loses him. He's not going to get him for a cheaper price. And the reality of the situation, and, and I'm sure Nonis went through the same, same analysis with Phaneuf, you pay him or you lose him. And then you got to go into the market and supposedly try to find somebody better and cheaper. And I think both Bergevin and Nonis came to the realization that they're not going to find anybody better and cheaper. So we better sign this guy before he goes somewhere else. Let's get into the Hall of Fame, that interesting discussion we had last week and uh, well, about the, the, the NFL Hall of Fame yesterday. Uh, NFL Hall of Fame inductions last night. Um, the one that I had my eye on, 
um, was, and of course, there's the the NFL season basically starts this weekend, and we the Naz and Wally Sports Hour will be getting into NFL discussions, uh, and we'll be ramping that up as we go along, as we head into the season. We're both huge, uh, huge NFL fans. I know Naz, you're a huge Buffalo Bills fans. I am, and I think Mark is a Buffalo Bills fan too. Um, fifty uh, percent for punishment too. Fifty fifty percent Buffalo Bills, fifty percent Green Bay Packers. Anyways, let's talk about the Buffalo Bill uh, Andre Reid into the Hall of Fame last night, and. Um, uh, I thought it was well-deserved and long overdue. And there was a touching moment last night. Um, Jim Kelly was there. And uh, it was reported this morning that um, I, didn't, I didn't see it, but he threw, after, after, after Andre Reid was inducted, uh, Jim Kelly threw him a ball. And I, 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 my guess is there wasn't a dry eye in the house I'm after sure that. There, I'm sure there wasn't. There were two uh, great players back in those days. With the bills, anyways, Mark uh, Mark Kennedy, our roving reporter in the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We had an interesting discussion earlier about Hall of Fames, baseball Hall of Fames, and uh, hockey Hall of Fames, and uh, you you have a you have a different uh, opinion than, yes. than perhaps Naz and, I, and Naz and Wally Naz and Wally have about the Hall of Fame. I am critical of Hall of Fames because my feeling is that a Hall of Fame is an attempt to create. Um, a level uh, of royalty, if I dare say the word royalty. And I think you touched on it there with Jim Kelly throwing the ball to Andre Reid. The team is the thing. Um, And Hall of Fames forget that. But the team is – Mark, we're going to argue about this, okay? The team is the thing, but we have all-star teams. I I, I know that that when you play within – hold on. Let me finish. When you play within a team, you play for the team. But there are – players who are exceptional and they have to be rewarded the, the sports is a capitalist system it's not a communist system the talent gets rewarded and you have all-stars and you have hall of fames i cheer and for, fans want hall of fames let's I, not forget that i cheer have for you ever the, been to the hockey hall sorry to cut you off but you got <laughs> you got me a little bit passionate here all-Star Games, once again, is an attempt to create a, a level of royalty that ignores the team. It's, it's not a level of royalty. Yes, it They're is. Not, we're not talking you're, about kings and queens yes, here. We're you talking are. about saying, exceptional you're saying, athletes. You're saying this gentleman is the king of his position. Let's put him next to the... He's not the king of his position. He's the best at his position. When Jim Kelly would throw the ball to Andre Reid... That play would have started with someone snapping the ball to Jim Kelly. And that's fine. And the best centers uh, in NFL history get elected to the and when NFL Jim Hall Kelly, of Fame, like Mike Webster of the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's not too many centers, though. And when Jim Kelly had the time to throw the ball to Andre Reid, there was an offensive line and if you look at together la- protecting Mr. Kelly. And Very good you- point. But I'm I, sorry to interrupt. Mark, but if you look at last night's uh, Hall of Fame inductions, there were a couple of offensive linemen. There were, in fact, my crit- my criticism of last night's Hall of Fame inductions, the NFL uh, Hall of Fame, not a criticism, but a comment. It wasn't one of the great induction classes ever, because they were basically inducting, other than Andre Reid, uh, they weren't inducting the skill players. No quarterbacks, no running backs. These were defensive ends, linebackers, and interestingly enough, Ray Guy. The only punter ever elected to the Football Hall of Fame and was the first punter ever selected in the first round of the NFL draft. So uh, 
you last night you got the blue collar guys that were elected to the NFL Hall of Fame, not and they were the guys, you know, they were the guys who were, who were sweating it out in the trenches. Here I was trying to figure out a way to get the Hall of Fame argument that I know will continue for weeks ahead into a mention that Toronto FC won in Montreal yesterday. Okay, go ahead. But Throw clearly, it in. Go ahead. clearly there was no Hall of Fame performance in Montreal yesterday, so I, I can't do it. Uh, Penny Miller, you should be in the Hall of Fame after that discussion. Penny Miller from Waterloo won our gift prize from Pizzaville, the two front row seats for Tuesday at the Rogers Center at York University. So, Penny, we'll be making arrangements for you to pick up that uh, those tickets. Mark, we're going to continue this conversation at Can't some wait. point in Can't time. Wait. Anyways, you've been listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on AM 740 Radio. We will be back next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Watch tennis this week. It's going to be fabulous. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.